0: from New York, it's Ask the Engineer. Hey
1: everybody, and welcome to Ask the Engineer, your weekly 8 p.m. Eastern Time show all about engineering, electronics, making 3D printing, and more. We've got an exciting show for tonight, jam-packed with all the latest news, products, updates, and more. We're going to get right into it, broadcasting here from live uh, from New York City, uh, straight into your Home.
0: Tonight's show will go over logistic things and more. There's weather around the country. We are still shipping smart and safe, so please place your orders on our site. There's no current issues, uh, new- weather issues in New York right now, but there is some across the country, so keep that in mind when you yes. place your orders. Our team thanks you. Here is some pre-COVID photos. We hope to do photos like this soon with our team. Um, please place orders. The only thing that keeps us a 100% independent, woman-owned manufacturing company in the USA. Go manufacturing. This is the way to do it. Place an order. Show and tell people around the world showing and sharing their projects and more. Lady Ada will talk about that and the projects they shared. Time travel, just a couple little reminders and more. Then we're going to do some Python on hardware news, some main New York City factory footage, some 3D printing videos and more. Digikey and Adafruit bring you Ion MPI, where we show you the newest products each week. This is CUI devices. We've got some new products. We've got some top secret. We answer your questions. We do that on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. You join all twenty-seven thousand of us.
1: That's right.
0: All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer.
1: Heck yeah. Okay,
0: so uh, first up, just a little bit of a reminder: Um, there is uh, weather happening around the country. Yeah. (laughs) Mega um, weather. Yeah. So. The weatheriest. (laughs) Yeah, and I get it. It's like when you place an order, you just assume it shows up the next day. Um, But sometimes it takes a little while, and there's going to be ripple effects. Because there's weather coming in the center of the country, there's weather on the East Coast. Yeah,
1: like if a truck is leaving New York to California because yeah, it's ground happen. shipping and you can't get through the middle of the country, it's going to be delayed a day.
0: So, um, you know, just be cool. Because uh, when you email us about something, it goes to a real human. And we don't like shipping delays either, but they happen in a lot of things. And most of the time, it's something that's outside of our control. Um, we're doing 100 days of masking, so I think we probably have, like, 70 or so days left. We're putting a mask in USA orders um, for just about anything. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if the order is a dollar or more, we toss a new mask. Yeah. Um, use it, share it. You know, one of the cool things to start... If you're in a- double
1: masking, yeah. I have an extra mask. Yeah, now you
0: can... Yeah, you have 50% of your, your double mask uh, <laughs> <It's all> supply <laughs> if uh, just with this one free mask. And, uh, you know, a little... May, you got to celebrate the good news. Uh, the cases have dropped, hospitalizations have dropped, and deaths are dropped. Now, um, you know, we read all the science journals, and we try to keep track of this. turns out, like, we don't – people really don't know why. It could be mask adherence. It could be some factors like a vaccine that's now starting to happen around the country. It could also be there's seasonality of coronaviruses. Um, you know, this is an interesting time to be a scientist, and uh, one of the things – that uh, we know for sure is the only way to get young people in the sciences, have them do electronics, computer science, physical computing. So I'm hoping that um, we generate and make some new scientists. So maybe something like a pandemic won't happen again. Um, but uh, while we work on that um, things that you can do is place an order you get the free mask Like I said before and you also get something free. So lady Ada, what are the free things they get?
1: I'm glad uh, you asked we have um, $99 or more you get a free PermaProto half-size breadboard. That's the thing in the top left great for taking your breadboard projects uh, Solder them in and uh, now they're permanent. That's the perma proto 149 or more you get a free uh, Stemma QT board, uh, you see there's a pile of them. That's because we'll you'll get one of a variety. We have like 25 different boards. If you make an account, we'll send you a different one each time. If you don't make an account, we can't tell which ones we sent you, so you'll get a random one. Um, all sorts of different sensors and breakouts and devices, including the new aw 9523 GPIO. We added that into the mix. Um, $199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping. And then uh, $299 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, our favorite all-in-one development board that supports all sorts of languages like Arduino and MakeCode, CodeOrg, CS Discoveries, um, CircuitPython, and uh, I think even like MicroPython now supports this chip. So it's a great way to get started with building electronics without needing to do any soldering at all.
0: Okay, show and tell every week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, people share their projects. Yep. And uh, this week, who's on the show and tell and what they share?
1: Okay, this is out of order because I kind of wrote them down in different words. So Kevin Fujiki Digikey came by. Uh, there's an Engineers Week coming up. They're doing a girls' night out. It's all virtual. Um, and all of the young women who will be attending are going to build a micro-bit V2 neopixel LED strip that you can change the colors and patterns and even make it voice-activated. Uh, thanks to Digikey, I'm sure they're, they're getting all these kits out to kids uh, so they can follow along and learn how cool and creative engineering can be. Yay! Um... Uh, Jeppler came by uh, with a show-and-tell project demoing, uh, driving eight parallel NeoPixel strips using PIO on the RP2040. You might be saying, that's not a big deal. Like, you know, isn't there already a NeoPixel demo? Yeah, but this version uh, uses a shift register. So it only uses three pins uh, and it writes all eight bits at the same time. So uh, it's it's a really cool like serial to parallel converter while also clocking NeoPixels out at perfect rate. Uh, it's something that the um, PIO peripheral on the RP2040 does very well. Guide coming soon. Aaron also previewed an upcoming guide, the Mechatronic Fairy Wings. Uh, Aaron and Noah and Pedro have been working on this project for many months, uh, and we're excited uh, to get it out the door, fly away like a beautiful fairy. Um, that'll be out next week, um, but you can watch Aaron demo it. Uh, we also have some cool videos with it, of course, coming up. JP uh, is working on Next Project, which is a sports ball e-ink mag tag display. You want to know what the next sports events are, when they're playing, who's playing, when, what, times, etc.? Uh, we found an ESPN uh, Jason feed, and uh, it's getting parsed on a mag tag and then displaying. You know, you can change a sport from, like, basketball to hockey to, well, football's over, but, you know, when that comes back... Um, but any sport that ESPN uh, has feeds for, and they have feeds for like everything, you can display um, the daily game. So that's pretty cool. Um, Melissa had an old VCP-200 voice chip from like Radio Shack. I guess in the late 80s, they made a, a voice chip that could recognize eight commands, and she got it working. Um, that's kind of neat, and uh, it, like, it has like, very home automation commands that it can recognize. Um, No, and Pedro uh, showed off a 3D printed bracket case for the uh, Matrix Portal CO2 sensor. Uh, Dan has been working on a big project, uh, finally adding dual CDC USB UART connections to CircuitPython. So, not only do you have a REPL, but you have a separate non interpreted, like no non REPL serial connection. So, you can send data back and forth between a computer and a CircuitPython board. Um, outside of the REPL, which is really powerful. It means that we'll be able to do a lot more automation and CNC projects. Uh, so he did a live demo, and it worked. Good job. Um, Scott demoed off. Uh, I2S Audio Playback is coming to the RP2040. Um, very exciting. We had PWM Audio last week. This week is I2S, and it sounds like it's working because I heard this chime that he played. Um, Seth uh, showed off some new hardware designs. Uh, that are like uh, cutie pie compatible or like cutie pie ish little boards uh they look really cool and alvaro uh, gives a tour of a lot of risk 5 hardware uh such as like the first risk 5 motherboard uh pine 64 based soldering iron smart soldering iron which is you know he thinks the first risk 5 like commercial product i uh, also have cool old pc on the wall and then uh liz is working on some more uh midi solenoid controlling projects on the pico all
0: right part of our adafruit live series of shows we have a bunch of shows that we do every single week if you're watching this right now it's ask an engineer at 8 p.m we have show and tell seven thirty p.m it's our shows that we do on wednesday on uh thursday just this one little programming note. Yep. tomorrow yeah, to tomorrow scott's deep dive
1: not friday is happening
0: um, and then on Sunday, we have Desk of Lady Ada. This week, we showed um, a few things, but the...
1: I got the butts of random hacker times.
0: <laughs> yeah. the it is um, a random
1: hacker time.
0: The, uh, I think the thing, if you, if you haven't seen Desk of Lady Ada, just go to our um, YouTube channel or any of our video channels and check out... Sundays because there's a really cute uh hot plate oh it's the like it's like little hot it's plate. this big and it's a hot plate it's a
1: hot plate and we actually we float a board on it although Dead i line. think this sunday i'll actually get a board that's like you know with slaughter yeah. paste we'll I, be doing that this sunday we'll do that this sunday yeah uh, so we have a little mailbag and I also showed off some new designs i'm yeah. working on yeah and then Where
0: We did the great search, which is Lady Ada use the Digikey site, and this week you looked for...
1: Terminal blocks. Uh, these are really handy. We use them a lot in our robotics projects or uh, high current projects. Um, so there's different pitches, there's different types, uh, different ways that you slide them together. Um, so uh, if you've ever wanted to add wire-to-board connectors really easily um, that you use any wires, terminal blocks are the way to go, and I'll show you how to find them on digikey.com.
0: Okay. And then the other thing that's happening is uh, every Tuesday, we have JP's Product Pick of the Week. And uh, with that, we broadcast live from the product page. And we will uh, play a little tidbit from that now.
2: The INA219 Highside dc voltage and current sensor in stemma QT format. So I'm gonna run this DC motor, then we can look at the voltage and current as we run the motor. Power supply goes to the V in, so it can measure the current voltage, and then that runs to the rest of my circuit. And now you can see it's drawing about 170 or so milliamps. So I'm gonna put a finger on this motor, and as it struggles, current is quite a bit higher. It's almost double. We're running about 300 milliamps, and if I stop it entirely, you'll see we're drawing about half an amp. That's my product pick of the week. It is the INA-219 DC high-side current and voltage sensor in STEMMA QT format.
0: Okay. And then, um, also, JP's workshop is Thursdays, mm-hmm. and here's a little preview of what we uh, already showed, but um, this will be part of a project series that we're doing with the Pico and also the RP2040 on running CircuitPython so you can do all these cute projects. Since we're doing live shows i'm gonna have someone in the chat uh it's check, live. It, check and see if i've actually fixed this thing they had a audio thing that they noticed so i'm going to this screen right think... now and now i'm going to go and play the make code minute so let me know if that just worked out do and... you think
1: people know we're robots i don't know mm-hmm.
0: um but either way here's a make code minute
1: Okay.
2: what i wanted to show for the make code minute today is a new extension inside MakeCode Arcade that's called the Text Sprite extension. If you've ever made MakeCode Arcade games, you have probably a) had a lot of fun, b) learned a bunch of things, and c) wondered if there was an easier way to deal with text. Now there's a general use extension called the Text Sprite extension. Here you can see I have a little banner here that says Text Sprite, but check it out. I can actually control this thing with my cursor, uh, and I can have it react to things like the position on screen. So when I get to the top of the screen, boom, I have it changing to the word top, and I've added a little icon to the side of it. And then text sprite down at the bottom, you can see it uh, exists in Z space, so I've put it over the background, but under my character here. And the way this works is first of all, you'll head to advanced, go to extensions, and add the text sprite extension. And then you can see here I've got some new blocks, such as set text sprite to a text sprite type of object with some default text. That's a variable I made. And it, you, you can specify the color, and if it's on top of a background color, you can do things like set the size of the font, the position on screen, border colors. Uh, and then you can treat it like a regular sprite, so I can move it with buttons, you can have it collide with things, you can have it stay in screen. Right here in my forever loop what I'm doing is I'm checking the sprite position of the text sprite, and then I have the text changing when I reach different uh, places on the screen. So that's just a quick example of what you could do. Oh yeah, one more thing here, I've got, uh, if I press the A button, it changes to we have text, and if I hit the B button, text sprite. So. Really cool, really exciting. Uh, This will make a lot of different things inside of your games way easier to do than ever before. So way to go, MakeCode team. Very excited about that. And so that is how you can create text sprites inside of your games and MakeCode Arcade. And that is your MakeCode Minute.
0: Okay, and for time traveling, not a whole bunch of stuff this week other than our reminder for Adabox because we'll be shipping in April time period. And um, when we're doing that, if there's no openings, then you can't get one. So go to adabox.com, and we will send you an Adabox. Okay. All right, so next up, let's do some Python hardware news. Yes, I'm ready. This week in the newsletter, okay. the first thing is the CircuitPython 6.20 Beta 2 is released. Um, it is mostly for RP2040 and for ESP32S2 based boards.
1: Yeah, we've been doing a lot of work on them, fixing a lot of bugs. So um, if you're like, hey, why is not this thing work? Try the latest. <laughs>
0: Okay, if you're a fan of Visual Studio Code, guess what? Use Raspberry Pi. I think with the Pi 400 in particular, that's a nice pairing. Yeah. Because you can code on, you know, a full desktop.
1: And it's, like, really easy to install, too. Yeah. Like, don't even do funky. Yeah. It comes in.
0: And uh, we have different sections of the newsletter, especially as, you know, things uh, change, and by change, I mean, like, in a good way. So there's more chips that support CircuitPython now. So with MIDI baked into CircuitPython, all the new boards like the Raspberry Pi Pico you can use those for MIDI projects. So here's a drum machine with the Raspberry Pi Pico using CircuitPython. Here is a USB MIDI 16-channel step sequencer um, written in CircuitPython. This is 620. Uh, you can check out the tweet and the code on GitHub. And he made a MIDI controller using Raspberry Pi Pico and Pimerone RGB keyboard with CircuitPython. And then uh, you can check out the uh, MIDI stuff on the forthcoming RP2040 powered Tiny2040 from Pimeroni. So that's CircuitPython as well.
1: Yeah, we have we MIDI. we just worked really hard to make early native USB support on CircuitPython work. So when people ask like, hey, why don't y'all support the ESP 866 or ESP32 or other non-USB native chips? This is why. It's like we think it's really important for people to be able to use native USB stuff like HID or MIDI.
0: Yeah. So you can check out all the MIDI stuff and then there's keyboards. So um, we have a guide on essentials, CircuitPython essentials using CircuitPython, HID keyboard and mouse. Um, BLE HID keyboards With buttons And CircuitPython Um, Here's a few projects Just in the past week This is a Pi producer It's a Raspberry Pi Pico based 12 key HDI uh, HID keyboard Sorry Yeah It's cute You can see all these things I like like
1: the little icons
0: Yeah. Here's a Pico producer OBS controller Using Raspberry Pi Pico 3D printed case And CircuitPython Here's a USB HID auto clicker With Raspberry Pi Pico And CircuitPython For for like
1: games If you want to Kind of cheat a little bit (laughs) Yeah
0: uh, tweeting from a Raspberry Pi Pico using HID Keyboard in CircuitPython. Wireless Bluetooth Macro Keyboard using Itsy Bitsy, NRF, NRF uh, 52840 in CircuitPython. And then we have our news around the web. You can check out all the different things going on here. This is a Pimeroni display with MicroPython, a uh, ring lamp with MicroPython. Here is the LED strips embedded in acrylic. Um, they're translucent, um, probably either MicroPython or CircuitPython. Um, this is an uh, overview of um,
1: how he wrote an entire book in one year. Yeah, and keeping <laughs> no, secrets documentation. Yeah, um, deep from the
0: Raspberry Pi folks. Uh, this is a Raspberry Pi two-factor authentication gadget. Build your own 3D printed ring light. Um, I thought this was neat. This is like an upgrade of a retro yeah, it, Dreamcast, but with there's, a, a there's a clue in the gift inside player. of it with a gift player, so it's animated. Yeah, this is so incredible. it's an animated Sega, Sega Dreamcast. Um, this is a RISC-V ESP32. C3. C3.
1: The RISC-V core.
0: Yeah. Um, here's a Pico connected to a display. Look at all these libraries and Python. The people are using them. Temperature and humidity with CircuitPython. Um, here's a PyPortal. Um, and then here is... Instructions
1: you, in Japanese. Yeah, you can
0: build uh, how to do the build environment. So when we do uh, a version of CircuitPython, we publish it out to all the different languages yeah as well. Um, so action-packed newsletter There's a lot this week It is chunky, as we say uh, On how we determine um, newsletters Yeah We have um, more board support um, I think I don't know what the latest number is It's in the hundreds But uh, we're getting very, very close To 300 libraries We have 298 Ooh. CircuitPython libraries at this time And check out what the team's up to What events are coming up Specifically PyCon And more And that is this week's Python on Hardware News. Check out the newsletter, adafruitdaily.com. Sign up. It's for free. We don't spam. We don't store your email to do anything else with. In fact, the whole newsletter is on a completely separate site because we said, how can we demonstrate in the best way possible that this has nothing to do with your purchase? We'll never do a pop-up thing on your your screen. So, um, you know, I know we're held to a different standard and maybe this standard will be the standard folks will request other companies do. But, even if they don't, it doesn't matter. AdafruitDaily.com is the easiest way to keep up with the stuff each week. Correct. It won't hurt your feelings.
1: And that's the latest news in circuit Python hardware. Yeah. Okay.
0: Next up, uh, let's do um, open source hardware. Lady Ada, we're an open source hardware company. That's right. And uh, we have
1: some new guides this yeah. week. We've got. Uh, well, known pages project, which would normally be a new project, actually they just added some pages to Carter's guide for the CO2 monitors. Check that out. Uh, Jen Fox wrote up a MagTag project that will uh, check your Azure account uh, and estimate uh, how much uh, you pay for your Azure like cost because like, you know you buy time and and uh, data cycles and um, uh, packet costs. I guess like data transfer. Um, we also have um, an updated slash new guide for our 1.54 inch e-ink displays. Um, The reason um, we have a new guide is because there's a new 1.54 inch e-ink display. And so now there's like three different ones. So we thought it would be best to um, have a new guide. Um, And JP wrote a really detailed um, step-by-step guide on how to connect various different kinds of robotic motors and solenoids and steppers all to your uh, Raspberry Pi Pico and control them with CircuitPython. It's not hard, but if you, you've never done it before, it can be a little intimidating because there's this thing and it moves and like, you're gonna, how do you make it move? And how do you make it move fast or slow or safe or whatever? So um, he goes through every different kind of uh, like robotic element that people tend to use, uh, DC motors, uh, hobby servos, stepper motors, and solenoids with a step-by-step code on how to use them. And in the end, he actually makes one project that uses all of those elements so you can like learn how to make a complexer project with button inputs
0: all right main New York city factory footage here's some footage from edford the factory And it wouldn't be factory footage without a sunset.
1: Aww. Soon there'll be more snow time lapses. Maybe. maybe?
0: Alright, 3D printing. No and Pedro have their video of the week, and then they have a speed up. We're going to play them back to back. See you after, after the break.
3: Hey, what's up, folks? In this project, we're building a CO2 monitor with Adafruit's Matrix Portal. This uses the SCD30 CO2 sensor from Censurion. The CO2 levels are displayed in parts per million along with an emoji so it's easy to know if the air is good or bad. It's a nice way to display the quality of the air with an LED matrix. The CO2 sensor breakout from Adafruit features Stemma QT so there's no soldering required. We designed a 3D printed bracket for the display and sensor so the parts are nicely secured. The code for this project was written in Adafruit's CircuitPython by Carter Nielsen. To install CircuitPython, head over to CircuitPython.org and search for the Matrix Portal. On the boards page, look for the latest release and click to download the UF2 file. Connect the board over USB and double press the reset button to get into the bootloader mode. Then just drag and drop the UF2 onto the USB drive to automatically flash the firmware. Now you can edit the code using your favorite IDE or a text editor. Be sure to check out the guide for a full step-by-step tutorial on building this project. Links are in the description. The Matrix Portal and SCD30 have built-in QT so it's really easy to get them up and running. The bracket and enclosure are 3D printed without any support material using PLA filament. The bracket is secured to the enclosure using M25 hardware screws and hex nuts. The Matrix Portal can plug into any display with a standard Hub 75 port. The power cable and QT cable are easily connected. The bracket is secured to the heat set inserts that are built into the frame of the display. The sensor is press-fitted into the case with openings on the side for the cables. The cover snap fits over the case and features holes to allow air to reach the sensor. You can use a screw or a nail to hang it on the wall with our 3D printed bracket. A sheet of black LED acrylic softens up the lighting. It looks great even on camera. We hope this inspires you to make your sensor-based projects with CircuitPython. Thanks so much for watching, and don't forget to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit.
0: single Wednesday 3D hangouts with Noah Pedro alright it's time that's right DigiKey and Adafruit present
1: Eye on MPI
0: this week's Eye on MPI is CUI devices Lady Ada what is the NPI of this week
1: alright I'm glad you asked this one well I, I made the joke in the text that you know uh, if you're reading like Redditor's or you know, stock tip sites, they always say buy the dip. Well, uh, this week we're going to talk about buying the dip switches, because we're going to talk about these new rotary dip switches from CUI devices. Um, so this is, you know, what a rotary dip switch looks like. There's actually a couple different uh, varieties in, family, in, in this family. Uh, but we like this one for its jaunty pink, uh, you know, tall um, actuator. Uh, But before we get into rotary uh, dip switches, let's kind of explain the history of what these uh, used to be and why these are way better. Um, So in the before times, uh, when engineers had to have, you know, custom setups for their hardware, some configurable things, you didn't have an LCD, uh, you didn't have a touchscreen, you didn't have, you know, um, like a full keyboard maybe, but you did have um, jumpers. And um, if you remember, you know, if you somebody who built a computer, you might remember having to set jumpers on uh, you know your ISI ISA sound blaster card to set the IRQ or this is really common if you've a SCSI drive, um, you would have to set the uh, SCSI address on the back by by putting in you know various jumpers and then like you know read, write speeds and whatnot. Um, and you know jumpers are really annoying and they get lost and so eventually some folks were like, I, you know we have, to, we have to do something better than jumpers because they do, you know they're they're a penny a piece but like once they're lost you can't buy them at a hardware store and like your people end up all hoarding little bags of jumpers. So instead, um, folks eventually started coming up with dip switches. So um, dip switches you know they look like this uh, and they have um, you know usually they're numbered. Um, there's like one up to like sixteen switches and each one is a single pull, pull single throw. Um, the, these switches are all off. You can see the on direction is on the other side um, and you can kind of nick them with your finger uh, tip and um, push each one on and it will close the switch and then you can use that to configure your setup. Um, and the dip in uh, this dip switch is uh, stands for dual inline, which is the same as a, you know, a dip chip. Um, and in fact, the nice thing about dip switches is they are uh, 0.1 inch spacing. So they're really easy to use on a breadboard or a perf board um, because they can like, they can even use sockets if you want, or you can just use, uh, you know, the same um, pin ordering as you would for a dip switch. Um, and, you know, you still see dip switches uh, used um, on configuration hardware. Like uh, we just quickly just Googled for like, you know, dip switch manual. And other than old motherboards, um, you know, there is, uh, this is like a Culligan uh, water filtration system and it's got um, uh, dip switches at the top and uh, the dip switches um, are used to configure like you know the the ice maker and whatever so basically you know you have engineers and they're making hardware you have to have some sort of like user or technician configuration Um, you know using dip switches is, is a way to do that the only problem is is that Um, you know it's kind of hard to like you have to have a manual like this which actually says like okay this one's on this one's off and you have to have these little drawings. Um, That said you know if you want dip switches CUI makes a lot of dip switches and and we use dip switches a bunch especially the SMT ones which are great you just pick and place them onto your design um, and uh, they're super easy Um, and uh, they come in like right angle and slim and surface mount and uh, piano style is my favorite Um, but what you can do if you have a, you know, a four switch, um, dip switch is instead of like having this like binary code table where you have to tell people like, okay, for configuration number one, you know, flip the first one for configuration number two, flip the second, but for configuration three, you have to flip the bottom two, right? Cause you have to do binary code. Instead, if you have a uh, rotary switch, um, like this, this rotary dip switch, it does the encoding for you. So you have what like, this kind of friendly, human friendly uh, 10 or 16 positions, and there's a little arrow, um, and then you just have to turn the arrow using a uh, screwdriver um, from 0 you know, to 9 or from 0 to uh, F. So, um, you know, it, it's basically the same code as a normal dip switch, it's just you know, it's, it's simplified. You only have um, the outputs you need. Uh, you, the center two pins are ground pins, and um, there's six pins total. The center two pins are ground pins, and the outer uh, four pins are the four dip switches. Um, and there's a bunch of dips, uh, rotary dips available at CUI. Um, so, I, you know, I, I said so I took a screenshot of one, but there's actually a couple different variations. Uh, right angle, SMT, through hole, thin, you know, flat. Um, There's ones with uh, actuators. There's, like, right angle actuators. There's the uh, 10 position and the 16. And, you know, from what I can tell, the only reason you'd want one or the other is just for, like, user simplicity. Um, If you really don't need to have more than uh, 10 configurations, some, you know, it might be confusing for people to see, like, what is A through F because they don't know uh, hexadecimal. Um, Okay, next up. is uh okay and this is just um some some more tiles um so yeah uh we picked up a couple and i thought i would just show them on the overhead real fast i'm um, just showing off these really nice photos that they've got so uh zoom in and of focus okay sorry Okay, um, so this is a 10 position, and um, you would use a uh, screwdriver, and you um, rotate, um, you know, you basically put it in the slot, and then whatever the slot is pointing to, again, um, the code comes out on the pins on the bottom, and the center two are uh, grounded. Um, this one is like, you know, there's this large body type, and there's a small body type, but they're both... I want to show they're both .1 inch spacing, so you can mechanically use either. This one's just smaller. It's a little tougher to read, but um, you can see this one has a um, all 16 outputs printed on it. Um, I was kind of hoping that I could turn this with my finger and maybe when it's soldered in you can. Uh, you could definitely use pliers, but um, nothing really beats a, a flathead screwdriver. And then um, I opened it up and you can see the switches on the inside. And then um, this little uh, plate, which is what actually closes the switches. And when you look at the actuator, you can see, like, this, uh, this binary code, which is what presses down. All these little notches press down on the switches to close them. So that's how it works. Like, as you twist it, it has, a, like, um, like, a player piano kind of effect where it, it pushes down on um, the relevant uh, points. Okay, so, um, so Get the Sun key
0: And... If you're looking for it on DigiKey, this is a short URL, yes. uh, digikey.com forward slash short 43F9BR. Also, the... Um Product ID to search for it. You could probably do 223RDS, 10S, 1045, there's SMT. There's Yeah, indeed. But you could probably just also find it by searching for like...
1: CUI. CUI. Rotary Dip switch, And yeah. that'll that'll take you to... There, there's a whole family of them. Again, there's like 25 different kinds of all the different configurations. Um, I yeah. just picked a, a, a demonstrative sample here. Um, I think they are underused. I think engineers should definitely put them in their projects because it's a great way to... Um, set configurations or like brightness or like an address of a wireless node Um, If you have multiple ones and you want to like quickly configure them um, You know for like a couple cents you add one of these and it's it's a mechanically strong way to Configure a project and then of course if you need more configuration bits um, You can you know get the ten selection version and then just have multiple ones in a row so you have um, you know if you if you want like a thousand configurations you take four of the um, 10 position rotary dip switches to put them in the world. One the, one is the thousands, one is the hundreds, one is the tens, and one is a single digit. So now you have like, you know, massive number of possible configuration outputs. Um, so yeah, rotary dip switches is, is my recommendation for okay. Iron API. Iron
0: All right, let's uh, do this. It's now time for new products. Yay! All right, this week, let's just kick it off with...
1: Okay, so first up, this is actually, this is not the star of the show, but I kind of feel like it should be. Um, this is really cool. This is a adjustable 3-amp uh, output. I think it's 3 amps. Five. Five amp output power supply brick, which even has not only like a potentiometer to change the voltage, but the voltage is actually displayed on a little LED uh, seven segment as well. This is great. This is like my new benchtop power supply because um, it's five amps. It doesn't have constant current, but maybe you don't need that. But if you have a project and you're like, "Uh, this one runs on three volts, this one runs on five, this one on six, this one on nine, this one on 12. Um, this power adapter can cover it all um so it's got on one end the you know standard 5.5 slash 2.1 millimeter dc jack uh it's a, a positive tip on the other end it's got your standard two-prong us plug and boom it's a package uh real easy to use um you know it it's it seems pretty stable. Um, I've used this for like pretty high power LED electronics. So it's more expensive than just a single voltage output, but uh, I really like it. So I thought maybe I'd show it real fast on the overhead. Um, one thing to watch is this isn't an on off switch. It's a uh, voltage selector and the, the lowest voltage it does is like about three volts, 3.3 volts. And then as you turn it up, uh, this is like seven, eight, nine, 10, up to about like 12 um and you know it's not precise you have to like tweak the knob to get the exact uh voltage you want but still i really like these i picked one up for myself and i was like i should put it in the store okay next up next up what are these neopixels for ants that's right very tall very tall very small very slim neopixels now you can actually use these in a bunch of different ways uh, because the pads kind of wrap around all the way you can use them Flat, reverse mount, or right angle. Uh, We have two types. We have the flat lens type, which you can see here against um, this coin. The top is is cut flat. And then um, the next type we have, it's just the same pin out, uh, is rounded. So if you go to the next image, you can see it. It's got a round lens top. Um, So they're the same, it's basically the same, just one's flat, one's round. Um, they're NeoPixel compatible. You know, I've driven them with 3 volts, but they kind of like 5 volts. Give them standard NeoPixel uh, data, and you've got RGB coming out. So they come in 10 packs, and they're very cute, and they're very, very, very small. Only 4 by 2 millimeters. Tiny.
0: Yeah, so this is the rounded one.
1: Yeah, on the coin. and that's the flat one. Yeah. I didn't know which people liked, so I just got both. Okay, you know? I got I got next both. up. Next up, uh, a single coin cell battery holder. So... Um, this little, uh, clear snap fit case, uh, can hold a single CR2032 3-volt coin battery. We already have a similar thing in the store that has two coin batteries for 6 volts total. This one is 3 volts. Um, you just pop it open, it sort of snaps open, put in the coin battery as shown here, snap it closed, and then there's an on-off switch. Uh, so you can turn it on or off. I thought I could also show this real fast on the overhead. Uh, so yeah, you just, uh, you do have to use your fingernails, but this snaps open, and uh, coin cell goes in here. You can use any CR2032. It'll give you, you know, it's enough to drive, like, a little LED or something, um, and I like the mechanical switch, so I just I just wrap these wires around an LED, but, um, you yeah, know, I thought this could be kind of good for, six like, simple crafting projects.
0: Okay. Next up.
1: Okay, next up, um, so this is like, kind of new, but it's now in stock, or kind of old, but now in stock. This is the official Raspberry Pi 4 compute module um, antenna kit. So uh, we don't yet have in stock the compute module with Wi-Fi, but when we do, uh, this antenna kit is the official antenna kit that you can plug in. Um, to increase the range and is the one that the module was tested with so if you're doing certifications It'll be easier for you to get through the certification process when you're using the exact same antenna that the module was specced to work with So here's how it will plug in When we have these compute module with the Wi-Fi. All right, next up next up we have a QT update um, So this is the MLX 9393 uh, one of our favorite high-powered magnetometers, as shown here, uh, it's good with magnets. It's not good for detecting the magnetic field of the Earth, but it's really good for detecting the magnetic field of magnets, which are like really powerful. It goes up to uh, 50 microtesla, whereas like most uh, magnetometers, I think like top out at like 10 or something. So this is really good for high magnetic field sensing. Um, we've just updated this to be STEM IQT compatible. Uh, we have code already for Arduino and Circuit Python and Python. It's just now plug and play, uh, really easy to use, and in our standard STEM IQT size and format.
0: All right, and the start of the show tonight, besides you, lady, our community, our customers, and our team, is
1: the updated 1.54-inch e-ink display. Now it's a 200 by 200 pixel display. So uh, this looks a lot like the tri-color ink we've already had in the shop. So what's new, um, instead of 152 by 152, it's now 200 by 200 pixels. So more pixels. Um, It's the same physical size. It does use a slightly different chip, which I've handily labeled here on the part so I don't forget it, the SSD 1681. Um, The previous uh, 152 by 152 uh, has been discontinued. I don't believe I'll be able to get any more of those displays. So I recommend people, you, this is a mechanically uh, identical um, E Ink display, but you'll have to update your drivers uh, for the new SSD 1681, but we've got code for it. And it's other than, you know, changing your code and recompiling it for this new chipset. It's the same size, same shape, same functionality, but with more pixels. So tricolor E Ink, but high def.
0: Okay, and with that is new products. That's right. <laughs> Okay, um, we al- we also have some top secret. I didn't get these out on the websites uh, yet, but so well, this is this is secrets. this is the first time people will see them. But while we do um, top secret, go over to Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord and post your questions. We're all twenty seven thousand of us. Um, over the last couple of weeks, people have been asking um, like business questions and things about reseller margins, and a lot of people are making their own businesses, so don't be scared to ask those types of questions too. But of course. Um, ask all the questions about you know which uh, evil which which CAD pro- program to use or how to get started electronics or all the different sensor questions that people always have or I squared C sensors or whatever and more.
1: Dude, just ask it. I'm here. But first, let's look at some top secret. Yeah.
0: So first up. Um,
1: yeah, I'll talk about what I what I designed. What's this? Okay, this is a TCA4307. So last week you might remember I had the ISO one five four zero breakout which is an i squared c isolator um but while i was looking for that i also bumped into this chip this is the tca4307 which is a chip that does um hot swap for i squared c so basically means you know if you've had that issue where you have like an i squared c controller and then you plug in a peripheral and it like kind of spazzes out your i squared c connection like cause the clock or sda line uh, gets toggled and now like it's out of sync um well this chip it it only electrically isolates temporarily the two sides of the data lines and then connects them when it's a stable time to do it and so you can hot swap i squared c which is like a pretty handy thing i thought so i made a little break for it next up um and i wanted to play with like the pico dvi projects that i've, I've been seeing um ren uh who's a raspberry pi uh, pico dev has been doing some cool video output projects for the rp2040 and i was like i want to do that but uh you know we do have a dvi breakout in the shop that's like terminal blocks but i thought you know i should have one that's like a pcb um you know friendly uh breakout for dvi it uses an hdmi connector but it's a dvi
0: all right and then this is uh the latest round of the rp2040 cutie pie
1: yeah i showed this off um last week as like it's it's also a top secret um this is me actually like getting like after the show i was like i should actually like get it working so i got it working uh got CircuitPython python uh compiled for this chip and uh tried it out just plugged in some sensors and got stuff printing out on the REPL.
0: okay and that is this week's top secret
1: Ooh, get back in the vault
0: all right so we're going to do questions there's a couple lined up already yeah and uh i'm going to start asking this best place is discord don't forget But, um, question, what do you suggest to use for connecting this DIY old school virtual pets like DigiPets that have two or three little contacts touched together for, uh, battles? I found the spring-loaded battery contacts, but don't know if that's the only possible solution to consider. Jeez,
1: I, I hate that. Um, you know, to be honest, I think it's really tough because it's really expecting a specific connector. Your best bet is actually to 3D print something that that fits onto, and then you can get, um... On one of the um, great searches we did, I think the first one we did is making these little spring pogo pin contacts, and so when the Digimon or whatever is or Digipet is is sitting down in the 3D printed thing, the the weight of it presses it down against the contacts.
0: Okay, uh, next, uh, and my host, if I power a PDM mic from 5 volt USB, looks like it's 3.3 volts max
1: probably get away with it for a little bit of time but uh you know i, I plug in stuff into to, from three volts the three volt max into five volts and um you know it's 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 bad taste but sometimes you can get away with having bad taste
0: okay uh next up more of a oh no there's a question too thanks for the, doing castellated pins why not make the pins on a feather like the pins on a fluff m0 they are slightly less slightly misaligned so you can put pins out without needing to solder
1: um Yeah, I kind of didn't, and, you know, I can always add castellations, but uh, to be honest, I actually find that it's, like, uncomfortable to hold the feather, and I didn't know if that would be annoying to people. There's no technical reason why I can't do it. I just haven't done it, Um, and honestly, not a lot of people have asked for it.
0: Yeah. Uh, This one, you might want to take a look at this, or this one might... um can you be one cons- for the forums have uh, anyone successfully communicated with the hc sro4 via cricket signal no you
1: won't pins. because it's oh. going through an i 2 c expander so you have to talk to the chip pins directly whatever it is the chip is because it's the the timing for those is so specific those right. i-o pins are really meant for buttons and leds just slow moving things
0: all right someone's asking i, I they might not know what pogo pins are um, pogo pins. When you there's spring pins. They're spring pins, and you yeah. when you press, that's what makes the contact. Look
1: at look, look at the great search I did. Search for the great search pogo pins. Yeah. Or pogo contacts, and because uh, I like little pogos. All right,
0: question. I need hundred of those CR twenty thirty two battery holders with, uh, but with, JST SH female plugs for a current project in production. Is there any way to source those from Adafruit? No. No. Um, we that's we a custom this. thing. We yeah. would not be able to. You know,
1: you could, you could crimp on JST, SHs, or solder them, but I, I got them with bare wires because I was like, I don't know what contacts, you know, connectors people yeah. want.
0: next up. Question for the show, with speed chips getting faster and faster, will there be a point where SPI, but more likely I2C, will be, well, uh, speed will slow down noticeably?
1: Um, so it well, will slow the, down the
0: speed noticeably. Uh,
1: on the SamD21, it, it you know, it is like the chip runs at 48 megahertz, but the mm-hmm. SPI is clocked max at 12, which is kind of annoying, right? I like it when, you know, you can clock the peripheral as fast um, but, you know, there's, like, I know for, like, the, the PICO, for example, the RP2040, um, there is an SPI peripheral, and I think there's a max frequency rate, but you can always use the PIO peripheral instead, right? You can, like, fake it um, using this peripheral and drive it at, you know, whatever, 125 megahertz. Um, so I think, um, I mean, i squared c isn't fast, but, you know, oftentimes what, People do if you have a slow peripheral like that, like a TFT or I or SPI, you'll use DMA. And the DMA, you'll you'll say get back to me um, when the data is ready or when the data has been sent.
0: Okay, someone wanted to uh, sign up to be notified when we're shipping the QDPI RP twenty forty. So we have the Feather twenty forty yeah. and the Itsy twenty forty as things you can sign up for. Um, we'll we could do a coming soon page. I, I know. Guess. I just
1: well, I, like we. I just got the PCBs and I, we haven't. Yeah, we just haven't touched. So time
0: we'll, to we'll try to do a, We'll try to do a coming soon page, but um, you'll you'll see it soon and you'll yeah. be able to sign up and, and get them. Um, but the two that you can sign up Are feather and the bitsy. Yeah. Okay. Next up, follow up. So you suggest using pogo pins for basically the pet project. They seem pretty expensive for a production run. That's yeah.
1: That's what I recommend. There's no there's yeah. no great answer. Okay.
0: Would the Feather M4 Express work for an Adafruit Depth for a uh, SAM51?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, like, I, I don't I don't tend to use it. Um, I use a Teensy for it, but I don't see why not. All
0: right. Um, if folks could post in Discord, that's best, but I'll try to get to the other questions the other chats. Um, but let me get back to Discord. Um, if I want to get into making my own circuit boards outside of hand soldering, any advice for the best tool to attach the SMD parts besides an easy-bake oven?
1: To attach SMD parts. Like well, hot air? I mean. uh, people use hot air guns. There's also, like, you know, the Easy easy Make Oven, um, which is a toaster oven, but, like, CircuitPython to temperature control it. So those are two popular ways yeah. of doing it. Don't okay. leave the room.
0: Uh, last question. The dip switches gave me a thought. Any plans to make a feather wing with a few dip switches? Example could be, like, a lower radio changing channels a different preamble to a message.
1: I don't have any plans, but it's a great idea. You should make one.
0: All right. And... Um, I don't know if this is... Oh, that's up there. Okay, that's a reply to that one. And I think we got through those. so let me check the other chat. Um, how do you solder the two-sided RP2040 QD Pie in production?
1: Very carefully. Okay. <laughs> one side and then the other. Uh,
0: when do the Picos fill back up at Adafruit? So we don't know. Um, we order them, and we get them when they're shipped. We don't have any advance We have them on order. Race, yeah. We
1: have zero control on when they come to us, but when they do, we put them in stock immediately.
0: Yeah. Um... And, you know, I, I guess I'll just make a comment about... Uh, someone said something in the uh, one of the chats. They said, you know, the b- thing about Raspberry Pi stuff is when it comes out, it's always back order for a while. Yeah, and, it's popular. <laughs> uh, and I'll say, here's something, you know, as a community we could probably work on. So when everyone's yelling and tweeting and being mean about, like, where is it, where is it, where is it? And, like, they're saying, oh, you should have more, or, Like when when they go down that road... You think about how discouraging that is for all the makers out there that are worried about success, not just failure. Yeah. Failure is I got all this stuff and no one wants to buy it. But success is like
1: success can make people even meaner. It,
0: it takes it takes time,
1: much like Lego.
0: Yeah, it takes time. And Raspberry Pi has a really good track record of actually shipping the things.
1: Yeah. Eventually,
0: this isn't a you know speculative Kickstarter. Um, it's a real thing. And you know, same thing with Adafruit. Like we have it, so you can't do back orders on our site. You can oh, yeah. sign up and get notified. Yeah. And then the next level is, well, I signed up, but when is it going to be here? You know, you, you should make more all the time. And but when they, it's Picos...
1: It's not like software. Hardware is yeah. different. With you Picos, know. it's
0: out of our control. But we also don't have any information. And um, a friend of the, the company who, who writes for um, a website emailed me and was like, oh, is there any issues with supply of Pico chips? And I said, oh, is this for an article? Because I didn't want to contribute to, like, this, like... Okay, they're releasing stuff and they're not doing a good enough job or whatever. So I just yeah. said, hey, like you know, contact the Pi Foundation, who's been really open yeah. in all of this. Like Eben, the founder, his tweeting that he's shipping out Pico chips to Adafruit. He just did that I an know. hour ago. So we have a, you know a small amount of Pico chips that are on the way. RP2040s, I should just say. Just so we
1: can get our and
0: what I don't want to see out. is. Someone like Eben being like, well, damned if I do, damned if I don't. Like, yeah. here I am showing the actual, like, I'm shipping the box. Here's the box. And it's like, look, it's not and like they
1: only had, like, 200 Pico boards. I mean, I think in the... I don't, I don't want to... Don't quote me. Look at the article. But I think Eben was like, we shipped, like, 100,000 or 200,000 yeah. boards. Which is astonishing for a release to okay. ship out 200. Like, what a risk.
0: Um, next up. And, you know... We get dinged because folks say, "Well, why don't you take back orders?" It's because, like, imagine if we took out back orders for the Pico, people would take it. Oh they would, my god! So if they just ordered a Pico, what a let, me, let me just give you an example. This is a maker business segment. Okay. I'll give you an example. No, so
1: wait, if we, we, we took, don't take back orders. If
0: we took back orders on the Pico, okay. If you just ordered the Pico, then you're waiting for at least a month until we get more. Now, with the world of credit cards, credit cards companies don't like it when you charge someone and don't ship them something. So then you can. Hold an authorization. Right. Not the credit card stored somewhere, but an authorization. But
1: if authorization. it's a debit card, it might still show up as a charge. Yeah.
0: So there's all sorts of things that go into this. So and then
1: when you are ready to ship it, turns out that they moved or their credit card or
0: Or, or wait. Oh, wait. There's yeah. more. And that's just if it's a PICO. Imagine if someone ordered two Dude. things.
1: Feather M four and a pico and the yeah. feather M four is in stock. So,
0: so, so they, what do you do? Do you wait? Do you hold say, both? They say. Do you ship one once? They say. Well, I, I want. Do I want the feather next day air? Because but I paid for next day air just for those things, not two separate next day air charges. That that would be more, thirty dollars for next day air. But now since it's two separate orders, is that another next day air order? So it it compounds, and I think that I actually believe the best thing to do for people is, only ship, something that you actually have in stock i i think that, that that's is, our
1: fault we used to like for one month it. we did back orders and i immediately was like this is such a nightmare it isn't worth it also with electronics you can't control when you're gonna get it you can't control yeah. like i have i have a bunch of electronics not picos other electronics that are in ohio right now um and they're like we can't leave like there's there's weather and it's been in ohio for like a week now and i'm like it should have been here last what if i would promise people no no it's on the way it'll be here in two days and I yeah. didn't know that there was like a weather storm coming and it's going to be delayed. Um, we've had pallets lost. You know, it happens once in a while. I don't know where this pallet went because it's kind of big. Yeah. But it got lost. And then we had to order those products again. It takes another four to six weeks. So there's no... I would. I always tell people I really, really, really don't recommend ever doing back orders. Um, I think back orders are not worth the stress. It's better to spend that emotional energy and you know, physical energy because it is physical energy on improving your supply chain and having like a sign up list so people can get notified. Do we make less money because we don't do back orders? Yeah. But our mental stress level is way lower, which means I can design more hardware.
0: Well, this is actually really hard to, um, so people want everything fast as well. So one of the hardest things is let's say if you have, um, an order from Adafruit with 10 different things and, um, they, it, chunks of them come in stock at different times, and you place an order and you use next day air shipping, but then you have to break that order and Dude, afraid, this is like
1: an NP-complete problem. Yeah, that you can, it's, it's like you that, can't that's, solve that's it.
0: That's one of the ba- That's one of the problems, and also things. There's revisions that get changed. There's things that happen between when something's ordered. Um, as someone mentioned in the chat, there is um, a huge chip shortage for the automotive industry. There's a lot of stuff going on. But one of the things that we just decided to do is like when you place an order for something in Adafruit, it is going to ship. A back order and you can by the way, if you want to back order Adafruit stuff, buy it from DigiKey. Yeah, they'll that, do it. That's that's a really good way to do it. Um,
1: but I'll give you a hint. It's you probably won't get it any faster. I mean, unless it's like a situation where we had just shipped them, you know, a bunch. Yeah. It's gonna come into stock at Adafruit at the same time. Yeah. Like it's not gonna be like Next up some secret. Hack. <laughs> Question: Any
0: suggestions for end user dip switches, like things that allow for frequent switching for end users? A primary action to select four to six things. Are there bigger combined switch things?
1: Um, I've only seen ten and sixteen, but that seems like a pretty good number. I mean, you can have sixteen presets, right? I mean, you can do rotary encoders, but like what I like about these is that they're they're mechanically like once you set them, you don't really mess with them anymore, and they don't move. Where the rotary encoders, like they're you know they're 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 motile, like they move.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I think I got that. Um, someone mentions, yeah, they have a ton of NXP chips on backorder uh, due to COVID.
1: Okay. So we had like the NXP Gyro, which I really like, the FXA 7800 or something. Okay. For 15 months, these chips were not available. Like, I have a breakout and I was just like, when are you going to I guess we
0: could have put it in the store and like, Took a back What did order. I do, Backwards back
1: order for 15 months? I, I said, like, NXP, yeah. when are you going to making these gyros again? And I, I don't know what happened, but they were like, no, we're still making them. But the, the the order, I ordered a reel, and it kept kept pushing back and back and back. And it's like, you know, eventually I just moved on to other chips. It was a shame. It was a really nice gyro. But, um, and you you know, and there's no way to know, right? Yeah. I didn't know when I first used the chip that there was going to be a 15-month. I mean, it was more than a year yeah. that it was out and of then, stock.
0: Um Ken mentioned something in Discord. Um, ag- agree with the experience with backorder. Do you think limited pre-order can make sense? I completely agree with you, Ken. That's why we do AdaBox. AdaBox basically is a pre-order system. Um, but we system. still
1: charge you only yeah. that chip.
0: Yeah, um, it, it's it's essentially the way that we've decided to do this for the super fans and for the you know the thousands of people who want like the latest from Adafruit delivered. We um, say here's an AdaBox. It's going to come out every quarter, and you're part of the AdaBox a box subscription and you're paying for that subscription for that box that we charge once we ship it but that is a way to get in line in a way that's different than sign up yeah and so that's one of the ways we do it yeah okay um are you looking into any feather boards with any nxp chips like the imx on the teen C 4
1: yeah we actually have an imx metro that we're going to probably be coming out with first and then we'll probably do a feather uh that's with the imx 1011 it's it's one of the things that we were like totally working on, and then the ESP32S2 came out, and then we're like, okay, great, and then like we have some more time, and then the RP2040 came out. So we're digging through this like big new chip release to get to some of these older projects.
0: Okay, Ricardo, if you can repost your question in in YouTube. Um it says yes, Could you fun. answer my previous question about Ambolite and PyPico? I'd like your opinion because I have to do a university project involving Ambulite and I have mm-hmm. to find a proper MCU. So you might be asking. Is the Pico okay for ambulite?
1: I don't know what ambulite is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Okay, Uh, next up. I think it'd be useful to have a small board that can be soldered to... The older I squared C board that just adds the stemma connector, different hole config. We do have just a
1: breakout for the stemma connector, but the reason I don't have like an Adapto is because one of the one of the things that we're doing with the stemmification of boards is we didn't have pins in the same order on all boards.
0: Okay. And now we do. Another questions about switches. Inches has switches questions tonight. Um, are there like dip packages with bigger physical switches that users uh, switch more easily and more often?
1: I don't know i've only seen these 0.1 inch ones to be honest but some of them are easier to to use than others like the piano key ones are, are fairly easy because you, you push down and some have like pretty you know um tall actuators but i think that they're they really are kind of at the a standard size
0: okay um this is ricardo's original question do you think that what the rpi pico dual core and the pio capabilities would be able to uh, would be possible to build an ambi light controller which takes an HDMI signal and passes it through while rendering the lights. Oh, the Philips like ambi light. Yeah.
1: yeah, the answer is no. <laughs> we will not be able yeah. to do that. Uh, you should take a Raspberry Pi and an HDMI uh, capture card. We have them in the store. Um, and then you can get, uh, you know, you split it and use an HDMI capture card to USB and then use a Raspberry Pi 4 or something to analyze yeah. it and then make your clone. You will not be able to do it with a microcontroller All right. probably ever. Um,
0: So, someone says, what's happening with the NXP chip shortage? Is this over demand or COVID labor issues? Not convinced by the news coverage. Someone says, uh, any uh, automotive chip provider? It's
1: not NXP. It's it's everybody. I've seen my lead times for, you know, microchip products. They're now 58 weeks or something. I mean, like, I don't even know if this planet's going to be around in 58 weeks, but I guess I have to tell them I'm going to need some SAMD51s then. Um, It's just, I think... You know, this happened a couple of years ago. There's weird cycles. You know, the problem is, of course, once there starts to be a chip shortage and companies are like, well, fine, I'm going to order a lot because I need these chips because I can't sell products if I don't have them. And that exasperates it. So this is basically like uh, toilet paper from one year ago, but now it's microcontrollers and semiconductors.
0: And um, this just gets back to what I was saying before about, you know, when we when when something's out of stock and everyone, you know, gets aggressive and they're they're they're. Sometimes you can't do anything about it. I think one of the things that's happened in the last year that I've noticed and this has been an ongoing trend unfortunately is there's not a lot of incentives for companies to be open and transparent and do open source. There's a lot of like there's a lot of like why do it? And I think that's one of the challenges like it'd be great if companies had an incentive to say here's what's actually happening with why these chips are delayed. But because of liability and because of stock prices and because of you name an entire list of things. Why get The less information you give, the better. And I think that's one of the things that, that would be um, good to change. Um, yeah. You know, Adafruit gives everyone the information all the time to a fault, no matter what we do. Um, but I, I, I know that companies, they, they're very allergic to that idea.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, good morning from the UK. I'm building a rotatable TV mount for a disabled person who has no movement in the hands. So looking to have an IR beam um, on, uh, on his wheelchair that will rotate the TV via servo. I scroll back up. Um, can you suggest a suitable sensor emitter?
1: Yeah, actually, if you look, we have a really uh, great set of guides by Cyborg Five, uh, who also um, has a, you know inability to move the TV or turn a TV on and off, and he's done a lot of development with IR um, that helps people who you know have the ability to press switches but don't necessarily have the ability to. Uh, you know, actuate small switches. Like you can have like one or two switches. Um, So, you know, any Arduino and using the IR send and IR receive libraries, um, even the wrote And what you can do is is have one Arduino on the wheelchair and you, you know, have a big button that they can press or multiple buttons that they can press to select um, different rotations. And on the other side, you have a different Arduino um, with an IR receiver. Uh, And then it um, reads it and then converts that into motion to rotate the TV. And on the sender, just make sure you have the LEDs arranged kind of in like a spread out pattern, like have multiple LEDs. So even if they're not exactly in front of the TV, the signal bounces and gets there. But definitely check out the um, Chris Young Cyborg 5 projects because um, like definitely he's like the expert in infrared uh, LED accessibility projects. Literally with the guide on them.
0: Okay. Uh, and then the other question is, how do you um, crimp JST-SH female connectors to wires? For exactly the
1: same way you solder double-sided boards very carefully. Get okay. a good crimper. There's, there's videos JST has published. Yeah,
0: we have... Um, yeah, we also have... Uh, I think we stomped them. We or
1: have, a, we have uh, pigtails that you can use, too. Like mm-hmm. individually, like just just the wires, you'll have to solder and and heat shrink them. But that might be easier than crimping.
0: Okay, uh, and I think that uh, oh, this is the follow-up for the HDMI thing. Okay, thank you very so much. Uh, so do you don't, so you don't really know any uh, microcontroller that would be capable of taking HDMI stream in and process white passing. Only, it through.
1: only maybe an FPGA. And honestly, this isn't worth your time. I would I would just grab a, a USB to HDMI capture card. Sorry, mm-hmm. like it's just i you can do it yes and if you have a lot of time but if it's like if you're if you have to finish this for school um i think there's still plenty to learn um with python and image recognition um doing it with a usb capture card like there there's stuff to learn just because just just because you're not parsing out an hdmi live stream uh doesn't mean there isn't engineering to be done
0: okay um Tigerbyte likes the Engineer PA-09 slash PA-21 crimpers.
1: Those are the great Japanese-made crimper tools. We love yeah. them, too.
0: Yeah, we sell the... Uh, and We have an engineer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those are the ones. Well, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Um, if you want to get it from me to prove. Yes. Okay. I think those are the... Those like are like the most questions ever. Yeah, well, we tried to build in enough time... Um, because we really like to answer questions. That's right. It's called asking. It is called ask Actually, oh. but the, that's another thing, though. What? Sometimes in the beginning of the show, for people, if this is the first time they've seen they the show, they get really like, why, why we say, going? They say, there's no asking questions. It's like, well, you know, part of it is asking questions. But also people ask videos. questions about the
1: show, yeah, which I think Yeah, and we is actually,
0: nice. you know, we intersperse questions, but mm-hmm. we do save most of them
1: mm-hmm.
0: towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it just says, you can only crimp the milk connectors, I think. I think that was...
1: I check the JST data sheet. Okay. I, I don't know off the top of my head.
0: All right. Well, that's our show for tonight. We did a bunch of questions. Thanks, everybody.
1: A bunch of new products and videos and guides and more. It was jam-packed. Thanks, yeah. everybody. Don't forget, Scott's show is tomorrow, not Friday. Um, yeah, we had a fun JP's-
0: music thing where when I played Us on here, the music started playing, which is – Or maybe I, I was I guess, I guess that could be – I see a lot of YouTube influencers starting to have lots of music uh, – Channel. Well, we're practicing our lots TikToks. Lots of so. lots of music in the background, but we don't do that. Okay. Um, so we'll be here next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Um, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Special thanks to everybody in the chat who um, has been helping out and sharing and being good, good to each other. Good um, questions, answering questions. Thanks to Dakara who is in the Slack chat. Hey, Dakara. Um, for Adafruit behind the scenes. Um, don't forget to uh, like, subscribe, and hit the alert thing. I always feel weird about that because you know what? I kind of feel like. Um, you know what to do. I don't know what I, I'm telling you. I feel like, you know, Brush your teeth. If, if, if you're someone who subscribes to YouTube channels and hits likes on stuff, um, you're going to do that and you know that. But, you know, don't feel like you have to because. Um, no, don't.
1: <laughs> Look, you got, there's so much stress and pressure in no, this don't, world. Don't
0: feel like you have to because we actually, we don't, we're not one of the channels that that's, no, it our, actually that's no. our sole source of income or anything like that. YouTube um, purposely doesn't um, have videos and content like ours bubble to the top because we're not YouTube influencers that are working with advertisers. So, um, they even told us like, you know, if, if you want to see your videos, like work with Tide Pods and we're like, we don't, we can't do that. Um, so that's why, you know, we have a really big following on, on all the social media, but it's not because of, um, the advertiser push. It's because, you know, the people who want to follow and want to do that. So do what you want to do. It's all good. Brought so to
1: you by Tide Pods.
0: We'll see everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see everybody uh, next week. And uh, here Thanks is everybody. your moment of Xenar.